0: Again, just to review, we talked about this last time. Of when it gets to the will of God, a lot of people think you've got to have some sort of magical feeling. Um, people try not to use the Bible in making decisions sometimes, but the word of God tells us that the Bible is has everything we need for a life in God here. There we go. Alright. So we talked about the two different kinds of God's will. We have God's directive and God's decreed. Um, That is God's moral will, God's sovereign will. The idea that something God's tell, some things God tells you directly to do. Some things God uh, does. uh, uh, God's will here, the decreed will is what happens. And this, you can know this. You you can't know ahead of time. So while uh, an example of God's moral will is that you are pure God says it, it is the will of God, even your holiness, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Um, it is God's decreed will. It may not be God's decreed will that you marry somebody. You might say, well, I, I think it's God's will that I marry them, but I don't know for certain. Because who knows, you might be run over by a train the day before you get married, and that would be terrible. But it might it might happen, right? So God's sovereign will is different from God's decreed will. I'm sorry. God's moral will is different from God's sovereign. So the point of this is sometimes people when they say they want to know the will of God, what they're really talking about is they want to know the future. But when when we talk about knowing God's will, what's most important is knowing God's moral will. How we respond to this, and I, I put this last week's now on your sheet. But with God's moral will, the way we respond to this is that we, we obey. Right? We obey God. Uh, when it comes to God's sovereign will, the way we respond to this is we trust God. Learning to trust God. And so it's trust and obey. That's a very simple way of living. And we talked about what God's directive will looks like. Uh, we can know, understand what the will of the Lord is, etc. And then sometimes we can't know God's will. Now, we talked about this as well. Um, so then we last week we really spent a lot of time here talking about um, principles for godly, uh, godly decision making. Let me get to my notes here real quick and see. I know we ended up leaving off. At Misunderstandings, right? Is that where we left off? I think it is. Let me see your handout. Is it? Yeah, right here. That's where we, Under Misunderstandings, where we left off. So let's get a run up to that. Knowing three propositions about biblical guidance. Number one, there's no way to know God's will and receive his guidance apart from scripture. You, The way you know what God likes and what God doesn't like is is in the word of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you um, have ever bought a gift for someone else for Christmas? Okay. When you bought that gift for someone else, how did you? What was your decision-making process? How did it? What went into making that decision of what to buy? Like, give me an example, uh, Chase. What did you buy somebody for Christmas? Uh, Doesn't have to be this year. But. I bought my brother like this. They have like, these little like stupid games at Target, you know, like really cheap ones. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, I don't know what it is, but it shoots discs. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, he likes like classic games and stuff like that. So. Okay. So what you you got him was not based off of something that you necessarily wanted, something that he wanted. But you wouldn't have bought that for yourself. I maybe. maybe you would have. Okay, um, if I if I bought my wife a gift for her for her anniversary this past year, and I went and decided, you know what, my wife really, you know what I really want to get for my wife is I want to get her a DeWalt cordless drill. Do you think she'd like that? No. you <laughs> think you know who would like that? Me right? The only way I can know what she wants is if I know her, right? And, and so the, the key is, is that if I don't know her, what do I have to go on? It's basically just assumptions. Like, I don't know your brother. I don't, I don't know anything about your brother other than what you've told me. Let's pretend like I don't know anything. You just say, I have a brother. Well, all I can do is I can say, well, he's a guy. So I assume he'll like guy stuff. I, I I don't know. Like I can buy him something. If you say buy him a gift or give him something, I have very little to work on, but I know um, I know Jermel a lot better than I know your brother. And I've learned a little bit about Jermel in the year, couple of years I've known him. That uh, mostly that we're having to introduce him to the world and uh, hiking and uh, cookie cakes and all that kind of stuff. It's mission amazing trips. mission trips. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but I've learned things about him personally and by knowing him. So the point here is that. You can't know God's will. You can't know what God wants unless you know him. And how are you going to know him? You don't know him by looking inside. You don't say, what would I want? You say, what does God want? What what does God desire for my life? Uh, So there are are scriptural principles and practices practices to cover every area of life. God speaks about everything, not just the stuff that uh, you would think, not just boring stuff. He just talks about all areas of life. And he also speaks indirectly and directly by implication. So sometimes there are choices, and the Bible can give us uh, good ideas about how to make a choice. So the steps, we said gather all the facts, be honest about this, search out the principles, examples of Scripture that have a bearing, apply these pros and cons to the various options, and then seek counsel. And then sometimes, if you have two good decisions, you can make a decision based on what? Based on? Preference, there's this funny idea that people have, excuse me, this funny idea that people have that God wants them to be miserable, right? It's like, well, if I like it, God doesn't want me to have it. The scripture actually teaches us the opposite, that God gives us so many blessings and he loves to give us blessings. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about the blessings that God gives us because he loves us. You ever wondered why food tasted so good? You ever sat there and thought, you know, food? I mean, think about it. God created food. He created the idea of food. He could have just made food so that it was boring uh, gray sludge. And then basically, you run out of energy, and you basically import gray sludge into your mouth, and you just keep going, or inject it. Or it could be some weird way. There could be like a special pocket that you have in your arm. You just, you know, stuff stuff in there, and you're good. But no, God gave us a nose and a tongue and a mouth and the and the ability to taste, and and the different tastes of salty and sweet and sour and and, crun- and different and different textures, are crunchy and smooth, and and you know you have all these different flavors and and heat and cool, and and you get everything from ice cream to steak. And God does that, and gives us um, that ability because He loves us. Something as boring as, as as energy, as producing energy for your body, God says, you know what, I'm going to make that pleasurable. You can say it's, you can say the same thing for dozens of things in life. God makes rest pleasurable. He makes all kinds of things pleasurable. So the question of possible sin is involved because you know um, we have clear examples in Scripture of something is right or wrong, but sometimes it's not as obvious. What you should do is you should hold off, holding principle. That is, you don't don't do something if it's if it's doubtful. So here's where we are uh, this week. Oh. nope, we already did this too. Um, biblical input. So list the statements from Scripture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here's some misunderstandings of God's uh, will that often happen. We've kind of covered a lot of these. I just want to cover these as we as we close out, and and this might generate some conversation. So let's look at a couple of verses here. Who can who can read uh, Romans eight fourteen? Who can read Romans eight fourteen? Who wants to try that? Laura, you want to try that? I'll pick on you there. And Jermel, can you read Galatians five eighteen? I think these are the right verses. Okay. Eight fourteen. Yeah. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. What does it mean to be led by God? You ever talk to somebody who says, "Well, God led me to such and such"? I have. Sure. What I and Greek Galatians five eighteen, if you don't mind. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay. Twice you have this idea of being led by the Spirit. And I kind of gave away my answer here, but I think the way that that works best in a Christian context, in biblical context of what this word means, it's less like God is sitting there whispering in your ear all the time, take a left step, go right, take a left, you know, uh, talk to that person. Rather, it's being fully governed by the Spirit of God, allowing your, your whole body and your whole life to fall under the, the the governance of God, so everything you do is submitted to God. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. I mean, that's that's, and this is why I want to say this because I've talked to people who talk all the time about God leading them, and yet they are making obvious decisions that are contrary to God's word. They are living. I, I, I we met with couples before who live together before marriage. They're living together, sleeping together. Um, God says that's sin. God said that, that you cannot do that. You must be married in order to have sex with one another. And they'll talk about, well, God led us to do this. I'm like, well, God didn't lead you to do it. If you're being led by God, if, if you're being governed by God, you're being obedient to God's word. You're submitting yourself to God's word. You're submitting yourself to God's will. And it's not this super mystical God spoke to me feeling. It's this I am going to submit my, whatever God tells me through his word, whatever he says to obey, I must obey it. It's very simple, I think. Does that make sense? Does that bring up any questions in your mind? Any objections? Anything like red flags going on? I don't want to shut you down. I want want you to feel like you can ask. If if you feel that. I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think so. How about this? Let me ask you this: Have you ever heard somebody say, "I don't have peace about that"? Let's do this. Oh, I don't have peace about that. Have you ever have you ever heard somebody say that? I I know I have. You never okay? Some a lot of people will say that. They'll say, "Well, we need to go do such and such." Uh, I don't. I just don't have peace about that. We need. We don't need to do that. I don't have peace about it. What's the assumption of peace? Oh, don't look! Don't look! Oh no! Don't look at my answers. What's going on? Okay. Well, what's the assumption about peace? In that context, I don't know if this is going to work. No, it won't. I don't know what's going on. The assumption of peace. Think about it. If you're saying I've got to have peace in order to move forward, what's what's your assumption that peace is the what? Peace. Peace does. What what is the function of peace? It means you're doing very what, At what point does peace come in your in your in your decision making? Before or after. But to this, to the person who's saying that, before, they're saying, I've got to feel good about what I'm going to do before I do it, right? I've got to feel peace before I move forward. And God's going to give me that peace so I can move forward. I'm not going to move forward unless I get peace, unless I feel good about what I'm ready to do. But, but what, what's true is that sometimes God calls us to do things like say, I have to confront somebody. I've had to do that. Uh, in this past couple of weeks, I've had a couple of situations where I've had to talk to people in ways that were very uncomfortable for me. I mean, I'm telling you, very uncomfortable. Where I, I felt my stomach was in knots. In fact, part might've been part of the reason I was sick this past weekend was because of some of the stuff I was dealing with, where it just ties you up in knots and you feel no peace. But you know what? I know it's the right thing to do. Where does peace come to obedient people? It comes after you obey. You obey, and peace follows. You don't have peace first and then obey. You always obey first, and peace is a promise. It's not a condition. So so basically, many choices on the front end, you will not have peace. You'll be blessed with peace on the back end, but probably not on the front end. Um, if you look at, so let's look at Colossians 3.15 together. I want to read this verse to you guys. And I think if y'all can just get this, in, this idea... Um, you will, you will be shocked at how much this becomes part of your life. This is commitment to obedience. 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This verse has nothing to do with the decision-making, but with churches solving problems correctly that result in corporate peace. If people say, well, the peace of God has to rule in my heart, let the peace of God... Which passes all understanding. Keep, you know, people talk about peace like it has to be on the front end. What's actually the case is you do what's right, and God gives you peace. And I know from personal testimony that's true. Does that make sense? Do you have you ever struggled with that issue before? I know I have in the past. <coughs> Does that bring up any questions, questions? Laura? Here, sure. I'm going to take it. Take an opportunity yeah. to take a bite of my chip here. So okay. go ahead, please talk. So, like, like, let's say I'm going to say yes to something, but it really, you just don't have a peace. I would use that. Like you just don't, I'm making it sound like it's all feelings based, but it's not like you prayed about it. You guys got to give you direction, mm-hmm. but you do not have a peace about it. Like it just does not seem like that's Is it it a matter nice of right or wrong. No. Then it's a matter of, um, Reference. preference. And do you prefer not do it? Then don't do it. What I'm talking about is sometimes there are things the Bible tells us if their brother has ought against you, find your brother and reconcile with him. Okay, how many of us, let's be honest, how many of us have somebody out there who have either we offended or they've offended us and we just kind of, we just kind of let it go. Didn't talk about it, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? What does the Bible say we're supposed to do? Find your brother, get with him, brother, sister, whatever talk to them and ask forgiveness how many of you feel good about doing that nobody nobody feels good they're like I don't have peace to go and ask my brothers forgiveness it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you have peace God says do it peace of God comes after you obey so that's what I think that's my answer does that kind of make sense I think it's a matter of right or wrong versus preference right Um, does that raise any questions that make sense I mean, this is, this is huge. So many people live their life based on the feelings. What's the problem with living your life based on feelings? What's the biggest problem? Oh, that's a really bad question. (laughs) That was a terrible question. How are feelings different from what, 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 okay, let me put it this way. When you have, okay, feelings are good for having lots of energy, right? Explosive anger, exciting joy peace, love, you know, you have all these feelings. They are, they are, um, tremendously powerful, but they're also tremendously volatile. One minute you feel top of the world. Next minute you feel in the trash can, right? Have you ever been through those? I know I have, I go through ups and downs. Some of you right now are like, I'm in a, I'm in a down. I'm feeling really low right now for some reason. It's okay, Sabrina. (laughs) You can smile. I'm going to bring you, we'll bring you up to the mountaintop again, right? So it's this idea of of up and down, up. If you live your life based on your emotions, what are you? Gonna, what's your life going to look like? You're just going to look like your emotions, like this. What is, God calls us to be have a steady mind, to have a sound mind. He calls us to live based on truth. And emotions are are often uh, up and down, up and down. And God calls us to be straight on, but not to the right nor left, but straight on. So your life ought to be more consistent if you base your life based on not on feelings but on truth your life would be less volatile. Because what matters is not how you feel about something, but what is. Right? Do you feel loved by God? Doesn't matter. God loves you. Right? Do you feel abandoned by God? You're not. Get to the truth. God is with you. So you have to confront your feelings with the truth of God. Anyway, that's, that's a long way away from where we're getting, but the idea is, is that people who say, I've got to have peace before I move forward, are basically living their lives based on feelings. And you can't do that. If you do that, you will be up and down. And maybe you've seen this in your parents' lives, in your friends' lives, in your brothers' and sisters' lives. Like, uh, the longer somebody lives, the more you see this tendency of, wow, up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's a very bad thing. Circumstances. Um, Open doors. Whoever said, well, God, you know, God provided an open door. You ever heard that before? There was an open door. We walked right through it. What's dangerous about that? Cause there's, just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean that that's the right opportunity, right? One guy once said, "Open doors sometimes lead to open elevator shafts." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> open a door, fall down a pit. And be careful. Just because you have an opportunity, someone says, "Hey, you should do study abroad next year," and you're like, "Oh, yeah, I'll try it. I'll, I'll I'll do the thing." And you and you and you put the name in, and and you get accepted. Oh man, I can go to Crete or Italy or. Whatever and do study abroad. It's awesome. I'm excited about it. Should you do it? Maybe, maybe not. You have the opportunity. Doesn't mean you should. Be careful. Don't just assume because an opportunity comes available that you should do this. Girls, the guy starts dating you. The guy asks you out. Doesn't mean he's the one. Okay. Might be. But you got you got to go through. You got to evaluate, evaluate those options, right? What's that? likewise, gentlemen. Yeah, those girls asking boys out. You got to be careful about them. All right, that's it. Any questions about uh, about basic basic principles for understanding God's will? Yes, Laura. Still so stuck on he's not. I feel like I, I yeah. don't make all my decisions based on feeling, but yeah. So okay. For Situation, yeah, yeah, and he was trying to figure out. Um, I think he got an offer for this one job, and he wanted to take time to like think about mm-hmm. it, pray about it, and try to figure out. And it was a great, just, like, there was no reason to say no, right? what i him saying, but he was like, like, completely torn up about it, yes,
1: and he couldn't, yeah,
0: like, say, Oh, this is why I don't want to do it. It was just like, mm-hmm. he did not have the peace about it. So, right, is that would you say that's God, like, yeah, so sometimes when you're walking close with God. The, especially in situations where it's not a right or wrong decision, it's an either or. Um, he he will make you uncomfortable in order to help you make a decision based on preference. But ultimately, the decision was based on preference. He said, I feel very uncomfortable going forward. Because sometimes God gives us unsettleness for a reason. You don't know all the reasons, you can't always articulate why. I've been around people, you ever been around somebody before, and you just feel weird about it? Like You're like, I don't know what it is about this person. I get really weirded out by them. There's nothing like I could put my finger on. I can't say this person said something offensive to me, but then like, I don't know if you've ever been long, like long enough, but like, I I knew a guy like this. I was just like, I don't know what it is about this guy. He was arrested like a couple years later for really pervy stuff. And I was like, I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. I could tell, like it was something weird. I just don't know what it was. And, 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 and I think sometimes there's that unsettledness that we can't describe exactly. And there are things that aren't quite matching up right. And that's fine. But, but that is not an excuse for not obeying God. Um, God says uh, to, for us not to um, neglect the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, we're to assemble together for church, right, as a body of believers. People are like, well, I just don't feel peace about going to church today. I don't think that's the same thing. As I have two job options, and one of them is good, and one of them is also good, and I just don't feel peace about this one, I'm gonna go with this one. I think in that situation, you, you are basically it's not a right or wrong, it's either or. And you're and you're just God is using that unsettledness in your heart to drive you towards the other one. I think that's it. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Does that sound okay? Am I missing anything? Does that help you? Yes. Feel a little better? I feel better. You have peace about this? Okay, good. <laughs>